Good morning, everybody. Okay, so we're going to talk about worship today. Worship is very important to God. Worship is something that we can do no matter what. If we're having a good day or a bad day, we can still make the choice to worship Him. Now, in Exodus 34:14, it says, For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Now, how many of you have ever... Uh, next uh, slide, please. How many of you have ever been in a relationship... And you have felt some type of jealousy. Anyone? Now, there's a good jealousy and there's a bad jealousy. The jealousy that God has for us is a good jealousy because his eye, it says here, the apple of his eye, which means our eye is focused. I mean, his eye is focused on us. It doesn't leave us. As many people as there are in the world, his eye is focused on you. And so he is jealous for us to pay attention back to him. Have you ever been in a relationship where you're pouring out yourself and you're loving that person and you're wondering, well, are they going to love me back? God is waiting for us to love him back. And we do that in the form of worship. And that's what we're going to do today. And for some of you who are not musical, we're going to do part of the worship without the music. You'll be so happy. Okay. John 4.23. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Now, the spirit is the spirit of God within us. As Gary was talking about the gates, that internal gate where the spirit man Man, woman, for those of you who are women. But the spirit man, that's where the Holy Spirit dwells. And when we worship God in spirit, we're worshiping him from that place in our spirit man that is not hindered by what happens in our soul. And that's why sometimes we have to make a sacrifice of praise because we're just not feeling so good at the moment. And worshiping the Father in truth is through the Word of God. So I don't know where all of you are in your walk with God, but if you don't know the Word, you are limited in the type of worship that you can worship God in. And the Father is looking for both. You don't see an or there, do you? He's looking for spirit and truth. He wants us to worship him with both. Now, all the gifts of healing, knowledge, prophecy will pass away into eternity. The one activity that we as the church can involve ourselves in is worship. Everything else, you know, no one's going to need healing when we're in heaven because we're all going to be new bodies. I know, right? I'm just like, can't wait for that. But God allows us to practice. For those of you who are musicians, you ever do a rehearsal before you actually do your gig, right? God's allowing us to rehearse down here because eternity is way longer than where, how much time we're going to be here on the earth. So just look at this, 
at, at this time on earth is a time for you to rehearse and learn how to worship God. So when you enter into with your heavenly Father, when you pass on the by and by, then Jesus will be there and we will be worshiping him as he is. And we will have learned to be able to go up there and go, ooh, what do I do now? Can you imagine? learn how to worship and everybody out there is worshiping and now what do I do? Well, you get to practice right here and right now to worship God. It is a privilege to worship the Lord. Now, the glory of God is eternal. Every other glory is gain glory. And you'll see as I, toward the end of this, how much the glory of the Lord is involved in worship. Isaiah 2, 17 through 18 says, All the glory of mankind will bow The pride of men will lie in the dust. So whatever you're proud about right now, and you might think, well, I'm not proud. Well, there's something you're proud about, and in comparison to heaven, it's like dust to God. And the Lord alone will be exalted. We need to learn how to exalt the Lord now. All idols will be utterly abolished and destroyed. And that's why Gary's going over all the gates so you can clean out those dusty places and those gates that you have that are blocking your spirit from worshiping God. And you can be abolished and gotten rid of. Matthew 15, 8 through 9 says Yes, people draw nigh unto you with their mouth and honor you with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Do you know you can come into a church service and you can sing the words on the board? Oh, isn't it great? It's wonderful. And your mind is wandering every which way. You had a fight on the way in with, you know, a friend, a spouse, whatever. You've had a hard week. You're thinking of all your problems. Your lips are speaking the words. But where is your heart? Where is your heart? Far away from the Lord. And so we have to learn how to focus on the Lord when we worship. Because we don't want to be as one whose heart is far from the Lord. It says here, but in vain, they do worship me. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in that particular category. I don't want to be worshiping God in vain. I want to be able to worship him the way he deserves it. Because he's such an awesome God. And he deserves to be worshipped with everything we have with him. Now, salvation is a free gift that costs you nothing. Isn't that what kind of trips up the world when you tell them about Jesus? Oh, it's a free gift. Well, if you don't have to do anything to earn it, no. It's just a free gift. Worship comes with a price tag, though. The deeper and holier the worship and the greater anointing of worship will require a greater price to be paid. Now, Jesus paid it all with his blood. 
All we have to do is worship Him in spirit and in truth. He's not requiring us to physically die or shed blood to worship Him. But He is requiring something. Remember King David said when he had sinned against the Lord and he had gone to build an altar, a prophet came and said, go build an altar so the sin of the people will be uh, removed. And the man who he was going to buy the uh, materials for the altar said, oh, take it for free. Just take it. Just use it if you're going to worship the Lord. And David said, I will not worship the Lord that which cost me nothing. Worship is costly. And that's why I think the body of Christ can't get there. They don't know how to really worship. I'm going to share some things with you today. Worship requires three elements. Now, in Matthew 2, 10 through 11, it says, And when they saw the star, these are the wise men, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy because they knew this prophecy was about to be fulfilled. And they came into the house and saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. These were heathen kings from land afar, but they had heard about Jesus. And they opened their treasures. So in, let, let's put it into today's vernacular. They opened their purses, they opened their wallets, and they said, I'm giving it to Jesus. Now, what did they bring? They brought gold. They brought frankincense and myrrh. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to open your wallets and purses because we're going to give a worship offering to the Lord. The first element is gold. Gold represented obedience. It was a bringing a tribute to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And one thing that gets so hard for people to release and to let go of is their money. I'll give anything. They might even give their firstborn. But don't ask me to give my money. Which is our gold. Because I might be able to buy this, that, and the other thing. But God today is saying to you, I want your gold. In your heart, he wants it. Have you gone to him and asked him what he wants you to do with the gold he gives you? Because this is important to him because it's part of worship to God. The second thing in worship is faith. The frankincense represented faith. They came from a land far away, these, these wise men. And they believed that they would see this child with that star. And frankincense represents prayer and intercession. Are you worshiping God with your prayer and intercession? Just a question. Number three, they brought myrrh. Now, myrrh is a bitter herb. And a lot of us, we don't like the gospel preached to us 
where there has to be a part of it that we have to sacrifice or suffer. How many of you want to get in that line? Like, okay, Lord, I'll take the financial blessings, I'll love my faith, but don't ask me to sacrifice because I don't want to go there. My life is already hard enough to then make another choice to sacrifice for you. But the type of sacrifice he's asking for here is to pick up your own personal cross. Now, for Neymar, her personal cross is going to be different than Steve's. So you can't expect him to bear your cross and vice versa, but you can intercede with each other and for each other to be able to walk in that. Now, what a great group. What a great group. Father, bless it and increase it in Jesus' name. We praise you and thank you in this West Gate. And so now I'm going to ask that we come before the Lord with our gold. And in our hearts, let's ask the Lord right now, Father God, how much of this gold of mine do you want today from me? Some of you might just give 10%. Some God might ask more. But Father, I ask that you put it on the hearts right now and you make the check out the break point bridge. And the ushers can get the envelopes and so forth to pass those out so people can fill it out as God's speaking to their hearts. And while that's happening, I'm going to give you a great testimony. I know hard times are upon a lot of people. And it hurts to give. And so, one day I was in church and Mario and I we were struggling. So much so that I had $50 in our checking account. I had a, a Southern California Edison bill that was 49 something, and the $50 would have covered that bill. People were bringing us groceries, dropping them off at our front door, and I blessed the Lord for them. If the Lord spoke to me, I'm sitting there in church, miles to my left, and the Lord spoke to me, said, give it all. I said, Lord, if I need to check out for 50 bucks, I have zero in the checking account. Will it even stay open? And the Lord said, give it. I said, okay. But then I had to get my husband's approval because I didn't know if he'd think I was just feeling crazy or what. So I asked my husband, I said, Mario, do you think I should give this $50? God told me to give this. He said, give it. So painfully... I wrote this check out. <laughs> I put it in the offering. I said, okay, Lord, now you've got it all. At the end of the service, the pastor's wife came up to me, and she said, someone anonymously gave me this envelope. She didn't know what was in it. She said, and they said, give it to you. I said, okay. I thought maybe it's a sweet little encouraging note or, you know, something nice. So I left the church. I opened up the envelope. Can anyone guess how much money was in that envelope? 200. How about another guess? 500. 
Well, God gave me back 100%. He gave me $50, which is 100%, right? I went and wept because God knew my need, but he was asking for me to worship him with my gold. And I did. And Mark and I, we were in agreement with that. Okay. So, may the Lord bless the offering. I don't know if you've done it. I'm just rattling on here. But may the Lord bless this offering. And may it be multiplied. And Father, let you multiply the fish and the loaves. I pray, Father God, that this offering would be multiplied today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, do any of you know what the meaning of worship is? And it's probably up there already, so I just better read it. Worship relates us both to God in, I mean, excuse me, relates us to God in both holiness and His majesty. We were made in the image of God, and we were made for His glory to dwell in this temple that could be seen by the world. The meaning of worship in Hebrew, the Old Testament, is shakah, which means homage to royalty or God. Bow down, crouch down, fall down, do reverence to. And in a minute when I go through the tabernacle, I'm going to go through uh, what we do with royalty. Now, the meaning of worship in Greek from the New Testament is proskuneo. And it was interesting that Nalan said to kiss. Because that is one of the things we do when we worship God. We're kissing him. Now, how many of us don't like a kiss? Even if it's someone just kissing us on the cheek, and it says to greet each other with a holy kiss. Now, we don't do it because people get inappropriate, you know, in this society. But back in, uh, you know, in the, after Jesus' uh, time, after he died, they kissed each other on the cheek. It was a form of reverencing one another and loving one another, kissing. And, and this also in Greek means reverence to God. Now, why all of creation should exist in a state of humility before God voluntarily giving worship solely to the Lord God of Israel, who is Jesus, our creator? It's because of the blood of Jesus. And because he died for us, in loving us. Because he alone is God in the eternal past, present, future. He will never have any equal. In Isaiah 43, 10 and 11 says, No one will be and understand that I am he before me. No God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I am I am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. Now, who was speaking here? Who was speaking here? Does anybody know? Jesus. This is a great Yeshua scripture, isn't it? To witness to our precious Jewish society. No Savior besides me. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So there's no one besides him. Who is God? First John five twenty to twenty one. Who is true? Is His Son Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. 
Dear children, keep yourself from idols. This is something we have to do really on a daily basis. The universe is not taken up for two gods. God is God. And God wants to be known. Oh, the Lord revealed this to me this, this week. He was showing me how he wants to be known. When you are with someone who knows you, like a husband and wife, it's such an awesome thing. And that's why the enemy wants to destroy marriages. Because when you know someone, it is such a rich thing. Your family knows you from birth. Isn't it wonderful to get together with family, whether they're saved or not? There's traditions. There's, there's things that you did together that were only knowing by that family. And God himself has created his own family with us. And he wants to be known. He wants us to know him. He already knows everything about us, even things we don't know, even some things we don't want to know about ourselves. He knows, and he's so loving and patient. But God wants to be known, and worshiping him is one way we get to do that. We get to know him. God is the source of love. John fifteen thirteen. Greater love is no one than this. That one laid down his life for his friends. Have you ever had a friend? You love them so much. You can see your spouse and they're your friend. You would be willing to lay your life down for that person. You might not do it. But in your heart, you might feel it. Jesus not only felt it, he strategized with the Father and the Holy Spirit. How to do it. And then executed the plan. And the devil thought he had won. But Jesus won. Because, Psalm 63.3, because that loving kindness is better than life. I've experienced this. I've walked with the Lord for about 30 years. I've personally experienced that. Sometimes my life is not so great. Sometimes it's phenomenal, right? The valleys, hills, valleys. But God's loving kindness through it all helps us to walk steady. Whether it's a mountaintop experience or a valley experience, we get to walk steady with the Lord's loving kindness because it's better than what life will give us, good and bad. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinner, sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4, 10. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. No matter how hard you try, you cannot muster up enough love to love God. It doesn't begin with you. It begins with him. He loves us first. This scripture says. Not that we love God, but he loves us. He loves us first. And then, like a good bride, we need to respond to our bridegroom and say, yes, we love you back. And have you ever told anyone I love you. And then they say, I love you more. My husband does that all the time. 
And then we have this, you know, single, I'm like, no, 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 I love you more. No, 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 I love you more. Right? But see, God wins that argument because he loves us way more than we could ever love him. And that's why he wants us to worship him. And I'm going to show you in a minute, no matter how bad of a worshiper you think you are, it doesn't matter as long as you attempt to do it. Only those covered by the blood can offer God perfect and absolute worship. Worship is such an awesome privilege. Matthew 21.16 says this. And said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, Yea, have ye never read, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, Thou hast perfected praise. Wow. Now, let me ask you a question. You see a baby and it's sucking on a bottle and does it speak? Does it speak? Anybody? Anyone see a baby? They suck, right? Suckling. They're sucking. Can they speak? What does this scripture mean? How do the mouth of babies they can't speak? Suckling. That was perfected praise. Wow, that's kind of interesting, Lord. Well, in Greek, nekios means not speaking. That's exactly what it means. That cannot speak. Okay. Now you're like, how can I worship God without speaking? When Jesus shed his blood on the cross, and I really want you to get this, because there's a vision coming up that is just right in sync with this. God has prepared this morning for you for the team effort. When Jesus sheds blood on the cross, he not only removes sin from the church, but he also perfected worship. He perfected it. His blood perfected it. And, and praise, and that his blood allows the infinite, or the finite, we're finite, to worship the infinite in a way which is perfectly complete, pleasing, and acceptable to God's infinite requirement and excellencies. If your first day saved worshiping God, you don't understand how to worship God in spirit and in truth. But because the blood of Jesus is over you, covering you, it's perfect worship to the Lord. The blood of Jesus. Now, that's not to say God wants you to stay there because he wants to get you, get you to know him more and worship him in spirit and in truth. We have to take the whole counsel of the word of God. Perfect worship is made possible by the blood covering not solely by what is said or done. Non-speaking infants. Now, there was a worshiper that God made in the heavenlies. What was his name? Anybody? Lucifer, right? He had all the instruments in him. I can't imagine really how beautiful he looked. I'm sure he was absolutely stunning. God. Remove Lucifer from his position. Now, my question is this. 
if he was a designated worshiper and he's removed from his position, that means there's a vacancy in heaven. Okay? Now, if there's a vacancy in heaven, who is taking that position? Right? The church. The church as a whole, as a team, has taken Lucifer's position. God replaced one with what? Trillions? I don't know. Billions right now on the earth. I don't know how many people are on the earth right now. Billions, I think. God replaced one with billions. You're one of those worshipers. But if you sign up for that position or not, because you're part of the body of Christ, tag your it. You're a worshiper of God. Whether you think you can take this song, that song, you can do that, this, whatever, it doesn't matter. Because God has already perfected your worship for the blood of Jesus. Because he loves us so much. He helps us out, right? So here we are. It says millions of worshipers here, but I believe it might be in the billions. Who knows? Hebrews 9.14. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? God not only gave us the gift of Jesus, but then gave us the ability through the blood of Jesus to worship him. Hebrews 9, 20-22, he said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. You know many, many churches say they don't even teach on the blood. They all, oh, that's a passing thing, you know, that was for, you know, for 20 or 30. We need to get back to the basics, the blood of Jesus, the blood which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle, which I'm going to go over in a moment, and everything used in the ceremonies, which I'm going to go over in a moment, and then Karen's going to share a vision. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So you can't even come and worship God without the blood of Jesus. It's such a privilege. It's such a privilege. Now, the goal in praising and worshiping God is this following scripture, 2 Chronicles 5, 13 through 14. And it says, the trumpeters and singers joined in unison. And I think Pastor Gary uh, uh, prayed that this morning about being in unity. If someone's off at the donut or... You know, looking outside or whatever. We're not really in unity, folks. And I would highly suggest to go into worship in a moment. In unity. I highly suggest that you not miss the blessing that you're about to embark on with us worshiping one. With one voice. To give praise and thanks to the Lord. Now, they were accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and other instruments, which we'll be using that today. And raised their voices and praise to the Lord and sang, He is good, 
his love endures forever. See, they had a glimpse in the Old Testament of who God was. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the priests could not perform this service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. How many of you have ever been in a worship service where the Holy Spirit is so strong that you only can be quiet before him or you see some people prostrate on the floor? Anyone? Okay. Mario and I, when we lead worship, we use a Hebrew methodology of worship. And there's a reason and purpose for this, and you'll see it as we go back into the worship. The order of praise and worship service goes like this. The first three steps of worship are ministering to God. You're thinking, well, what does God need? He doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need, right? He doesn't, he's got everything, right? He wants it, which is way different than needing it. We need shelter. We need food, right? But we might want that particular, let's say, job. Or we want, might want that one particular relationship. It's way different. So when we go in and we start ministering and praising the Lord, he is so happy. He smiles, he laughs, he even cries with us. In Psalms 104, now do I have the chart up there? Can you go back for a moment to the other chart? Okay. I'm going to walk you through this chart, and then I'm going to have Karen share her great vision. Oh, now night and light. Okay. The gate there. You have to open up a gate. In the tabernacle of the Old Testament, you had to open up the gate to get into the tabernacle. We have gates in our heart. So we're going to enter his gates with thanksgiving. So we're going to enter in and thank him. What are we thank him for? Everything, right? Everything that we have, we do, we thank him. Then, after that gate is open. There's then praise, which is the outer court. Now, how many of you ever have seen a movie, and I love movies, I love Hollywood. How many of you ever seen a movie where there was a king in the movie? The king and I came to my mind, but maybe you've seen other movies where there's a king. Now, let's just pretend for a moment we're going to use our imaginations that someone is escorting us to see the king that you've seen in a movie. And then we're going to apply it to the Lord. You have someone escorting you through the gate. The magnificence and the beauty that a king has in their palace is awesome. So you start thinking as you walk the front door, oh my gosh, it's breathtakingly beautiful. Look at those chandeliers. Look at that marble floor. Oh my gosh, this is Then, we're in. We got over the initial awestruckness of how beautiful it is. 
Now we're in the outer court. And we begin to praise God. Or in, in the uh, scenario I'm giving, look how wonderful. This is so beautiful. Oh, you know, you just get taken up in the praise. Now, I have noticed, and I was sharing with Gary about this tabernacle. I have found churches that I've led worship in, churches that were really good at praise, did a lot of tempo dancing. They had the dancing down, but they didn't know how to go into the worship. And then there were other churches that really could go into worship, but they would skip over the praise. But see, the praise is to get and shake off all those things you've been carrying all week long. You've got to shake them off. Right? You've got to shake it off. So the praise, you dance, you use your body gait that Gary was talking about in his uh, circle diagram. You're going to shake off the things of the world in the praise. And that's why it's hard for people to go straight into worship because their mind is wondering of all the things they need to shake off and praise. Then after that, okay, now let's stay in the outer court for a moment. There's the wash basin and an altar for burnt offering. Well, in the Old Testament, there was two ways to cleanse things. One was through water, and one was through fire. There were two ways. You'll read it, I think, in Leviticus. Probably Josh would know. But there's two ways of cleansing. Yeah. God wants us to clean ourselves off during the praise part, either through fire, burning what's up there that should be there, or just a washing, and that can happen in the Holy Spirit. But they actually secretly did it in the Old Testament. Then, okay, and that's like the temple dancing. Then, um, or it's going from fast to medium temple at this point. Then we go into the holy place. And that's where we choose with our wills to worship God. And the soul, part of Gary's gate teaching, the soul is the mind and the emotions. We choose with our will to come in and worship him. Now, the incense altar, see that? Can you see that in fine print at the bottom of the box? The incense altar, that is our prayers and intercession unto God. The lampstand is preparing our souls by cleaning the gates for the light of God to come on through. They have to do this ritually every year in the Old Testament, but we can do it every day. Isn't that awesome? And the table of the loaves is now preparing our Hearts are, are, you ever hear that um, book, Food for the Soul? Isn't there a book? Oh, no. What is it called? Soup for the Soul or something? Say it again? Chicken Soup for the Soul, right? We're preparing the what's in our soul to bring it before the Lord to minister to Him. Now, what happens? We're at that holy place. We're right on the edge of going into where God's holiness is. Uh-oh, there's a curtain. In the Old Testament, they had a curtain. See, Jesus got rid of the curtain. The curtain was torn when he died on the cross. We can go right now into the Holy of Holies. Now, when we get into that Holy of Holy place, 
where the Ark of the Covenant is and God's presence is. In the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence hovered over the Ark of the Covenant. The worship now goes to a place of silence and intimacy with God. You're communing now. Your spirit man is communing and having fellowship with God. And now, this is when God starts to minister back to you. He starts telling you, I love you. He starts giving you words of prophecies. He starts healing you. He starts pouring out his Holy Spirit on you. But what happens in most worship services, we never get to that holy of holy place because we don't know how to get there. I'm sharing with you today how to get there. And now, if Karen will come in, come up and share the vision that she got, it's totally phenomenal. Oh. We're praying if you've joined us on our prayer call on Thursday. And um, we've been crying out for quite a few people in our congregation that have illnesses and disease and whatnot. And I was just crying out to the Lord in my heart while we were interceding. And I... Um, saw us lay prostrate in this foyer here because we're crying out for um, I know Bill Johnson has this great thing he says um, um, cancer free zone well if I want to go one better I want a disease free zone and um, in this gate we want to cleanse this gate that the Lord's um, causing us to stand in so that we can have a disease free zone so in my vision um, I was just laying prostrate before the Lord on this carpet here and just crying out for the blood of Jesus. Lord, the blood of Jesus. We cleanse this place and this ground with your blood and your blood sacrifice. So, of course, I said, okay, well, I'm going to have to do it Sunday morning. So we did. This morning we just went out and some people had to just step over us, you know, and I was thinking about all, all the grubby things you could possibly be in that rug. You know, I don't care. I don't care. It's so much more important to me, you know, for God to show up and to be obedient. And I'm telling him, Lord, I'm like, Lord, I'm being obedient. I'm getting left over with black pants. No, you know, seriously, I was just like, God, I am desperate for you. And he does to worship. And when we get to that place where we will do whatever it takes, you know, for the for the love of Christ to come, and and for uh, our brothers and sisters, I have some sisters that are so, I mean, they are standing their ground. They're saying, no, I'm not going to go this route. I'm not going to go that route with medicine. I'm going this route. I'm taking this road, and I'm standing there with them, and I'm just saying, God, I want these sisters with me. I want to heal and hold because you have the power, all the power, all the authority to do that. So that was my vision. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now, Psalm 95, 60, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. 
Psalm 96, 9 says, Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Now, our goal is to be in medicine this morning. But I have to share something that's even bigger than what's just happened with this local church. There's something really big that's happening today that God has told me. And I want to share it with you because God has some miracles. He has some blessings for you that you have been praying for for a long time. And he is going to really enter in and press into that holy of holies place. God's going to give it to you today. This church holds a position. Can you please stand up, Karen, Karen? Because I want you to stretch your hands out and hold it here. They are the best gatekeepers. They don't like to say it. I'll say it. Because that's what they are. And what the Lord showed me is, for 20 plus years, almost 25 years, this gate has been closed. And I asked Lord, why? He said, because these people have sinned against me. It wasn't the non-believers. It was the believers. And he said, they rejected me. They rebelled against me. And so I wasn't welcome here anymore. And because of that, God couldn't be in Santa Monica the way he wanted to be. There's churches that are awesome, but he, he wasn't here. Look how he wanted to be. Now, God has given them the authority to have that key for the gate, the gatekeepers. That's what gatekeepers do. They let something in or not in, right? You have the key. Now, they have opened the gate. But because of the sin on the land, God is not able to come all the way through. Today is the day we're going to reverse the curse that is on the land because we're going to go all the way through to the Holy of Holies, welcome him into this gate, and it's going to be open wide. So now, I want you to stretch your hands out to Gary and Karen. They have a big job. They have a position to hold. And you need to come and support them. They can't do it alone. This is a team effort, folks. This is not, oh, you know, just all by themselves. No. And for those of you who come can give, give. And it's of your heart, a kind word, encouragement, whatever. And so, Father, I just pray now for Gary and Karen that you would strengthen them from the inside out. That you would allow them to be all they can be in the destiny that you have called them to be the best gatekeepers. And, Father, they have now done the preparation work, opened up the gate, and now I thank you that we're all of us today going to welcome you in all the way. And, Father, I pray that you would keep Karen and Gary. I rebuke any assignment of the devil to try to cause them discouragement. In the name of Jesus, I break it off them. And any curse that's been on the land that has hindered them, we declare today, you are broken. And so, Father, we praise you. We praise you. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
They have a big job. Who's going to make a commitment today? You don't have to raise your hand. Who's going to make a commitment today to help them hold the position? Now, thank you, sweetie. For those of you, I said I had something for you that God wants without the music. Now, can you go back to that uh, uh, chart? How many of you today are going to say, God, I want you to put your hand up. God, I'm going to go all the way today. I'm going to worship you into the Holy of Holies. And so I'm going to begin just by speaking to worship God. Then I'm going to go on the piano and we will continue. And when we get to that place where we have ministered unto God the way he deserves, then you will see the miracles and the blessings flow on your life today. And when that gate opens up wide and we get into the Holy of Holies, the Lord said to me, I am the God that owns all the gold and all the silver, and I'm going to bring it in. Before we get to him today, I'm going to bring it into the West Gate. And it's going to go all the way to Hollywood and impact the world. 